So of course we started the new Chumash. We started the uh, Parsh of Shemos. And um, a lot of interesting stuff going on over there. But I think one of the things as, um, as we have to deal with our own history, um, so we see how some of it that's playing out throughout our history is actually uh, started off in the time of the Chumash, in the time of the Torah, when the Torah writes. Of course, we know that the Jewish people, being a vibrant people and a people with uh, hardworking uh, throughout the ages, they contributed a tremendous amount to the various different countries that they lived in. They Commerce, science, medicine, to various different parts of the... Um, of the communities they lived in. And the Jewish people, by and large, were always loyal and devoted and dedicated. Of course, we were always uh, being accused of double loyalty, but still, you know, we did so much, you know, for the various different places that we lived in. And then eventually we found ourselves in many situations. We were expelled, whether it was Spain or it was in the other uh, countries and the communities. There was no... um, there was no gratitude, there was no appreciation, there was no respect for anything that the, the, the contribution that the Jewish people did to all of these different communities, and history is full with that. But technically, that's in our Parsha, you know, so we, we know what Yosef did for the Egyptian people. First of all, he saved the whole land over there, because um, he by solving the dream of, um, of uh, Pharaoh and... Um, and then uh, guiding Pharaoh of what to do, how to gather all the uh, grain that's going to uh, come during the plentiful years, and uh, that's what they ate. The whole the whole country ate that. And, uh, eventually, uh, it's not only that Yosef uh, helped all of the land and all of Egypt and all the people there, but specifically Pharaoh, because Yosef actually orchestrated and manipulated that the whole land and everything else belonged to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, with the exception, the verse says, with the exception of the lands of the priests, which that was sort of uh, given to them, and they had the rights for that. But everything else went to, well, went to Pharaoh. So what more loyalty can you expect um, from someone that um, has done so much for you? And not only that, you know, a lot of times throughout history, you know, what happens is that they find an excuse that they try to blame it on. They say, you know, somehow they're looking, uh, in, in Hebrew there's an interesting word, it's called amasla. The word excuse is called amasla. Amasla means emeslo, not truth. That's what it's called in Hebrew, it's called amasla, emeslo. It's not true. So a lot of times... We find it so much, actually, even in daily uh, interactions of people. Uh, people want to do something, and want to say something, or want to act in a certain way, and they're looking for an excuse. You know, sometimes, you know, within families, you know, they're looking for a reason to, to you know, to, to berate you, to discriminate against you, or to say bad about you, and but they can't just come out and say it. So they sort of dress it up with other. They find an excuse why. So why they're doing what they're doing. So in history is also, of course, the the kings, the monarchs, the, 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 the people in charge, they found reason why the Jews are a problem. 
they always found a reason. A trumped up reason most of the time. Yeah, almost most of the time, you know, made up, you know, made up story, but they found up, they found the reasons. It's not even trumped up, it's sometimes it's just totally fabricated, yeah. you know, and they just, you know, found up reasons. And that just gave them the excuse to later on to, to do whatever they wanted to do. So, in the Parsha, you know, it also says about, it tells us about this also, it tells us what was Pharaoh's reasoning. Because he said, what was his reasoning? He says, They're multiplying, they're having all these children, they're going to become powerful, and they're going to wage war, and and they're going to uh, go off of the land. That was a, a fabricated uh, lie. That was just an excuse for uh, getting on. Uh, getting out to the Jewish people to, to start them. Why? Because, you know, the Jewish people are very grateful people in the sense they, to their host mm-hmm. country. And all the times, you know, we have special prayers in the, in the davening and the, for the safety of the government and the safety of the people and for the army that is for, that's, that's protecting them for all the kind governments. I mean, the Jewish people have always been uh, grateful. So, the Jewish people in those days also, in the time of the Chumash, they were grateful to um, to Pharaoh for providing for them a place to live because Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen, gave them um, a place to stay, a place to develop, a place to succeed, and the Jewish people were going there and he provided for their needs and they actually were very, very successful over there. So the Jews were grateful. And we're thankful to them, and they weren't going to leave or fight or uh, go against the Egypt. That was looking for some excuse. You know, you find already in the Torah, like for example, um, uh, we find like uh, Avimelech. Uh, he said uh, to uh, Yitzchak, he says, "You know, you can sit in my land." And you know, after the incident, he took his wife. He took Rivka. And then eventually he gave it to her, and then he didn't tell him to leave. He says, look, if you want, you could stay in our country and live with us and everything. So, and then when he comes to Yitzchak, Yitzchak says, I'm going to make a treaty with you and your children, your grandchildren, made with him a treaty. Why? This was out of recognition for what he did for Yitzchak. Mm-hmm. He did with him good. We didn't touch you bad, we only did you good. Do so with us, so... He did, so we see that they paid back. So this was a trumped up, made up, fabricated, you know, excuse for um, the Egyptians, for Pharaoh. So here you have, on one hand, you have a um, a king, a Pharaoh, who was um, benefiting tremendously, him and his people benefited tremendously from the contribution that the Yosef uh, and his children and his and all of the uh, Bnei Yisrael, what they did for the land, they developed it etc. So you have that and and still we read in the Parsha. So what does the Parsha say? So it says, it says something very... So the verse says, Vayokom melech chodosh. A new king. 
Hashem lo yodas Yosef. Who knew not Yosef? Now, what is the meaning of new king? I don't know. So there's actually <laughs> two interpretations. Now, literally, when you say a new king got up who did not know Yosef, basically means, um, now, if we should say a new king, a really new king, so then maybe what it means is this king didn't have a special relationship with Yosef. A new king, he didn't know Yosef. Didn't know Yosef doesn't mean that he never heard about Yosef. If it's a new king, he didn't know Yosef. Yosef never did anything with him. He had no association directly with him. Perhaps this comes as an introduction to the verse that says, let's go and let's seek ideas how to get rid of the Jewish people, to get rid of the influence. So the verse says, that seems to almost soften by saying, hey, here was a, a new king. A new king didn't associate with Yosef because it almost seems like the verse is coming to say, how could Pharaoh, who was such a beneficiary from Yosef, he, Yosef was his second in command, and he helped him. How could he act like that so viciously against the Jewish people? So the verse introduces it by saying, He's a new king. He didn't know Yosef. Now, we have to say that he didn't know history. There were a lot of people there that benefited from Yosef. They knew what Yosef did, even if he himself didn't know Yosef. So what does Leodas Yosef mean in this context? What does Leodas Yosef mean? He didn't associate. So in other words, he didn't have any personal uh, level with him. That was the previous. Uh, those were the Democrats before him. That was mm-hmm. he was, he was uh, on a different level. He didn't have. He didn't know anything. Well, the fact that Yosef did for the country. What's the difference with again? In a way, um, it turns out towards Hashem. He had really no business, this uh, new king. Um, he had no business. In other words, from the perspective, we, I wanna, uh, the Rebbe reads this from two different perspectives. From the, the perspective of, us, of what's his obligation morally and what's his obligation uh, you, uh, as far as between, uh, between to Hashem and what's his obligation to uh, the people. The first, the other interpretation, we said one interpretation, let's not, we're jumping between the two interpretations, so, uh, in this interpretation, let's continue with this interpretation, this interpretation that it was a new king, so it wasn't so bad as far as how could you not uh, recognize and respect everything that Yosef has done for you. Yosef saved you, and Yosef was there for you, and Yosef's people, they all did. How could you go ahead and, 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 and make such a terrible, this would show a tremendous level of, 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 of evil on his part. But um, 
but morally, in other words, uh, between, between for, for for Hashem, for Hashem, you know, he didn't really. Um, he himself did not really benefit. Um, the first king, the first pharaoh, he was actually accepted as a king by Yaakov. <clears throat> Yaakov came to him and he accepted him as a king. So he had a certain level of overhand over Yaakov. In other words, what he says goes. Because Yaakov accepted him and he was uh, his subordinate and they subjugated themselves to him. So while on a personal level it was terrible that Yosef did so much for you personally and you don't care about it, but from a level of towards Hashem, it wasn't so bad because he's the boss. I mean, he's the king. And the king calls the shots. But according to the other opinion, as the Rebbe tries to explain, it's the other way around. Because it's a new king. Nobody became your subordinate. In other words, Yaakov didn't. He wasn't there when Yaakov, he wasn't there about the whole story. So maybe on a personal level it's not so bad because uh, he never, Yosef never did for him anything and they, he wasn't a king at the time but from a moral level for Hashem it was worse because why are you taking a people who never accepted you as their king and you're making them into your slaves that they have to work for you they don't have to work for you, even though you came over there, but they didn't, never accepted you as their king. But whatever the, whatever the case is, it still turns out that this reflects a terrible uh, uh, way that Paro, whether it's a new king, that, uh, or as the other interpretation says, he wasn't a new king, but he was the same old king, but he renewed his decrees. Now he came up with the, became the enemy. Uh, which, it's a little bit more difficult to understand. How could he? But this is, again, this is the um, question, you know, sometimes, you know, even in current history, you know, I remember, um, you know, like, Israel had a pretty good relationship, like, with, with Turkey. And had uh, had a pretty good relationship, you know. And in years, you know, before this whole thing with the boat, or even before that, already when when the new leader turned to it, it was a lot of other countries, you know. When you even the United States, when you look at it in a sense, you know, I mean, uh, people who are benefited so much, and such beneficiaries, and then at the end of the day, not only to turn a blind eye, they try to annihilate you, they try to destroy you. So. We see this right in the Chumash, that with all the, all the things that, um, that we do, there's always looking for ways. Um, the Pharaoh, the anti-Semites, the, the, the people are always looking for excuses, looking for reasons to, um, to do harm to the year. Okay, so, 
what, what, is this, what does this tell us? But at the end of the day, we see that, yes, they succeeded a little bit of causing, uh, causing uh, some uh, trouble. But at the end of the day, the Yidin were enslaved there. And the Yidin had, the Jews had uh, to serve them for whatever the, the years that the Yidin served them. But eventually, the Jewish people came out. We saw that, the, uh, that they were able to, to, to be successful. But, yeah? Wasn't this part of the God's plan that he Sure. That God promised that at the beginning. Yeah, but we're also, uh, which brings us to another whole other issue. Why were they punished if that was God's plan? But God hardened their heart. So, you know, Maimonides discusses that. Rashi discusses that. Um, you know, some of the, um, some of the answers uh, given is that, you know, they went beyond the call of duty. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, Hashem said they'll serve them, but they went and uh, they served them really hard. Yeah. And they would treat them cruelly, you know, and they were brutal to them. Mm-hmm. And some, some, explana- some explanation explained that that's also the reason why they only were there for 210 years versus the 400 years they were supposed to be, because the 210 years were so difficult, it was like equal to the 400 years. So... Mm-hmm. And that part of it was um, was was sort of um, extra their part, so they have to pay for that. Uh, another reason is that um, um, it's brought down that while God said they will be servants to an estranged nation, but that was a general instruction, but it didn't mean that each individual uh, person that did it, that was their freedom of choice. You know, that was the freedom of choice, which coincides in, 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 in every, uh, everything that happens to us. You know, a lot of times, which we've already talked many times, from the Tanya, that uh, the al explains that um, a person doesn't need to get angry when something happens to them that, 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 is, not, uh, that is not good, that they don't feel good about if something happens to them. Uh, they're not to get angry. Why? Because it's meant to be, you know. So there's nothing. And if it wasn't this person, or it wasn't, if you weren't upset about this thing, you'd be upset about something else. So you, you, I mean, whatever you have, your feelings or what you have to feel would be there anyway. So don't get angry. You know, don't get angry because it has to. Does that mean that the other person has a right to do what he's doing? Oh, he's going to say, well, uh, Hashem wants to punish you, so I'm doing what Hashem, I'm actually Hashem's agent, you know, I'm doing what Hashem wants. No, it's not you. Hashem has various different agents the way he can do what he wants to do. So the Egyptians that actually took the action, they did it, they took a bad choice. They, 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 they were evil. That's why they chose to do something wrong. And that's why they need to be punished for what they did. Although, like you're saying, what happened to the Bnei Yisrael that was supposed to happen. So, there are various different explanations. But the bottom line that we see is uh, that we can never really trust anybody but Hashem. Because, I mean, in the case of Yosef, Yosef was very close, was as, as close as you can get, you know, as close as you can get to, to Pharaoh. He was the second in command. And yet, doesn't help. And yet, even though you have a second command, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. In other words, the antisemites, from their own evil, they can uh, decide uh, 
um, to forget Yosef. Either you know a new one comes out, or they say, no, we don't care. And you know, as we see, for a people that benefited so much to say they don't care seems like really very harsh. However, so how do we protect ourselves? That's the question. How do we protect ourselves? Um, I'm bring out from the, the Rebbe brings out. How do we protect ourselves from? From these uh, these um, these situations, but especially, we're not talking about just the situation, the physical situation. Yes, but this whole thing of the Egyptian is also explained on a spiritual level. It's a spiritual level too. In other words, not only did they um, throw in the uh, children into the river, as it says, to kill them physically, but they actually um, try to um, spiritually. Yeah, they told the midwives to kill them, but that was the physical death. But see, it's interesting in uh, what they try to do. Basically, uh, what the Rebbe argues over here, and he says that how is the way to save yourself is by staying strong spiritual, by staying strong connected to Hashem. In the face of all these um, um, all these forces. And, and the Rebbe brings it up to very practical uh, very practical thing. What does it mean to be strong in the service of Hashem? We, we we, we make a, uh, a very rational calculation. You know, the, the, what is a rational calculation? If we have a protector in the, in the White House, if we have a friend over there, we have a son-in-law who is Jewish, you know, like they say that Trump has one up over the liberal Jews because his grandchildren are Jewish. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's... Uh, so... He says that uh, this calculated uh, reliance, and you know, Israel has always relied on America, but America, you know, today, Baruch Hashem, it's strong, but it hasn't always come through for us. And, uh, you, know, you know, I like to tell that story about uh, when Golda Meir was there being attacked, and at the time it was uh, in Kippur War. And. Uh, and Henry Kissinger was the Secretary of State, and she Nixon. sent him. Huh? Nixon was president. president. And she sent him a an urgent letter, that, you know, to uh, he's Jewish and he's in the White House. He's the Secretary of State. He said an urgent call to save them, and uh, and he answered, you know, uh, he answered it back. He says, you know, uh, first of all, he says, I'm an American citizen. He says. And number two, I'm the Secretary of State of the United States of America. And third, he says, I'm Jewish. Yeah. He said in that order, basically. So she said, it's lucky, he says, that we Jews read from right to left. Ah, <laughs> that's cute. She really said that? Yeah, that's what it goes. That's what it says. She could have been that spontaneous. <laughs> she was very smart. Right? I don't know. Well, I, I've read a story about her biography yeah. of her. She's amazing. But I yeah, she, yeah, I yeah. think she mentioned uh, some nuclear weaponry or military weaponry that was right. very powerful. Yes, 
that she might... They've had the H-bomb or yeah, something. Yeah, and that they might release. If we have to use yes. it, we will use it. Yes. But I have to tell you, it was Nixon. Uh -huh. It wasn't Henry Kissinger. He just sat on his laurels. He couldn't believe that Nixon was so proactive in getting all the military supplies that Israel needed. And Nixon really helped. Yeah. He was like crazy, yeah. almost like yeah. insane yeah. how much he was helping Israel. And he hadn't and been pro-Jewish before that. Right, yeah. and he couldn't believe it. I read this in the Jewish press. The story of Nixon, was he a real anti-Semite? Outwardly, he came off very kind of anti-Semitic. Anti but he was very pro-Israel uh, when Israel needed it. Wow. Like, unbelievable. Who knows why? But like, he was possessed. Fellow allies. Yeah, but you don't know. Like, it was like his mind was, you know what I mean? Like, he had to do whatever he could to save Israel. Mm -hmm. So, I guess the question becomes that the issue that we have sometimes that we're faced with a challenge, like in life we have a lot of challenges, is maybe we need to compromise our beliefs, our um, traditions, uh, and give in to sort of, if things are the nature, if we need to, if that's what the King Pharaoh demands from us, or he, that he wants his expectations, we shouldn't uh, fight him, we shouldn't stand up to him, we should sort of submit ourselves and never work. And maybe we should uh, you know, after all, we're living in a, they say we're living in a Goisha country. We're in a minority over here. We're not the, and we have, uh, so maybe we should uh, subjugate ourselves a little bit. But in the. Um, I come up with Paro because he didn't want anything except that they should be slaves to him. Okay, well, we'll see in a minute. Because in the spiritual levels, we see that the Jewish people in the beginning over there, that good of the land, they were living in Goshen, they were living, they had, so, they were living the good life, you know, in the Golden of Medina, you know, they had everything, they had a beautiful uh, life, everything looked, looked fine. What, uh, what, what it is, is, you know, that we have to see if it's a Melech Mitzrayim, in other words, what is, what does the king want from us, okay. Uh, so over there it says in this Gezerah, he says like this. What does he say? It says, Kol haben hayiloit, all the Jewish sons, throw them into the Nile. Then he says, and all the girls, they may live. Now, it would almost seem if the decree was just merely against the boys, he could have just said, throw in all the boys. He didn't have to say, the girls you let you, you live. I mean, so, the way the Rebbe explains, there's two, there are two parts to his decree. Yeah, throw them into the river and let them live. What does it mean, throw them into the river? So, the river represents the idol of Egypt. Why was the river, that was the Nile River. Because everything grew because there's no rain in Egypt, so everything comes from the Nile River. That waters irrigates the entire... Uh, so they, they used to worship the, the Nile River. So, basically, they say, throw in the children to the Nile River, well, physically it means to kill them, but it means throw them into the belief that it is the Nile River, it's the nature, and... 
Um, what, are, what are, you know? There's a lot of different things. You know, people think you know. I like to be Jewish, yes, and I like to learn Torah, and I want to do mitzvahs. But what about money? What about how am I going to make a living? You know, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to? I mean, there's certain. That's you know, that's the the, the, the balance. So if I have to compromise. And uh, not daven, not study, and not do. Uh, I'm in Egypt, you know. I'm in the, this is what the king of Egypt wants. And not only that, he also wants to give life. What does it mean? First of all, we're not only talking about the physical, the drown us. He wants to drown us with, drowning us with the ideas of success, of uh, materialism, being, you know, being, you know. You know, being able to make it, you know, to, to benefit from the everything that the world has to offer, you have to sort of compromise on your Yiddishkeit. You cannot have them both. Uh, but also, they wanted Abbas Techayun that they should give them the lifestyle, you know, also they were, you give them life. In other words, not just that they're not going to throw them into the Nile River, in other words, give them the worship. Let the girls live by the traditions, and the um, thought is come, can be a thought. Maybe, maybe giving in will will be successful. So, what did the Jewish uh, midwives do? So uh, they uh, they didn't let them throw them into the river. Let them throw in the river didn't mean only physically. They knew that you have to say Modani and you have to say Shema Yisrael and you have to be a proud Jew. And they taught their children what to do and they learned and they made sure to imbue them with a love for Yiddishkeit and a love for, for, for the Torah and a love for Hashem and a love for the mitzvahs and give them a proper education, notwithstanding the uh, ideas that are out there. Uh, of course, Things have to be done in nature. It really brings, I think, I like very interesting words. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, be very respectful to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh, and Hashem specifically instructs him, talk to him respectfully, and do, which means do with nature. But one thing Hashem tells him, you have to have this, the stick of God should be in your hand. Which means, you know, everything nice. You speak nicely and good, but you still have to keep the stick of Hashem in your hand. Which means, the stick of Hashem means, be proud, Jew. Be, talk, be proud. Talk with, uh, with strength. Don't feel that you have to sort of show the guy that you are uh, nobody, that you're uh, uh, falling for him. Huh? Don't, don't show that. Uh, this Paro was either his father or his brother. Why? That's who raised Moshe. Then, no, if it's a new Pharaoh, though. Oh, it's a new Pharaoh, right? Oh. If it's a new Pharaoh, yeah. It was a new one who didn't, who, who know, didn't Joseph. know Joseph. But now we're talking about who raised Moshe. You know, uh-huh. Oh, right. Right, right. Good thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah. Didn't help, though. Hmm. No, they didn't. Having that connection, yeah, and even connection. made him into um, into a leader. Just the opposite. Him. Okay, so basically, what the Rebbe says is, any time you have 
a decree of the country, if you live wherever you live, that goes against Hashem, against the Torah, then you have to stand up, be very strong. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't follow that. And don't believe that somehow your protection is going to come because you're going to rely on somebody who's going to do it. You have to stand up and be strong. Yeah, go ahead. Mordechai said that to Esther. Don't believe your help is going to come from somewhere else if you don't. No, he told her. Yeah, but also the Jews thought we have a we have a friend. We have a friend. You know, I mean, it's it's very important for us to remember all these things. Also, I mean, you know, people are euphoric. You know about about the Jerusalem, about the. Cutting back uh, to the UN. Well, we don't. We don't. You know, we can't. We have to be uh, always vigilant and always uh, strong and always. Uh, um, I mean, not to get into politics, but uh, sometimes there can be a heavy price that we're going to pay for this friendship. Mm. <laughs> that you know, we're going to this friendship comes doesn't come doesn't come for free. Doesn't come for nothing. You know, I mean, we don't know. I mean, what it is, but. What it really means is, you know, we have to pray to Hashem. But the bottom line is, anything which contradicts or conflicts with Yiddishkeit, we don't have to be worried. We don't have to feel ourselves that we have to, uh, you know, go uh, towards them. But we have to stand up strong. Uh, but definitely be respectful and definitely be appreciative. And definitely, as we learned, um, to uh, keep on telling the world what the Jews have contributed. And I know there's one famous writer says, uh, I forget, the, he has a little piece of it, you know what I'm talking about? No, well, Dershowitz wrote The Stand-Up Nation. I know, but there was a, a line from a very famous author, he said basically, you know, there's one people that is, you know, you know what I'm Yes, about? during World War II, it was a particular Protestant minister. No, 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 no? That's, okay. that's something else. Paul Johnson? But, uh, no, 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 Historian, Paul Johnson? Yeah, maybe. But he said, basically, he said, you know, that the people that have contributed more than any... Oh, uh, any, Mark Twain or something? Yeah, 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 Gordon Mark Twain, yeah. Yeah. So they quote him as saying something very, very powerful about the Jewish people. You have to remind the world that, you know, amongst the Nobel Prize winners in, 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 in physics and in medicine and in, in all kinds, and this is a contribution, not for... An individual. This is a contribution for the whole world, and when you see how some of the victims of Syria and everything else, they're treated by the Israelis in their hospitals and the yes. and the everything, you know, notwithstanding all the they're killing each other <laughs> and we're reaching out to them, but you know, we're not going to change. They they want to show what they want to show and they want to believe what they want to believe, but we have to continue and uh, tell the world that. Uh, this is a melachodosh hashaliyadus yesed, that you're, this is all new, that you don't, don't know, you don't understand. The Jewish people have been in Jerusalem, have been in Israel from the time of the second Beis Hamikdash, and they've never, ever totally left, and everything. Were, all the was others are the time at the first also? What? Exiles. Yeah, no, what I'm saying. But we were exiled, but since the second we were non interrupted. Actually, from the first temple, there were some that were left over too, but at that point, but from the second temple, there were always, because not everybody was exiled, so there were always uh, left in, in Eretz Israel. Mm -hmm. So we have to come to the world and we have to tell them there's a new king that you don't make pretending. Either you never know or you're pretending. You should really know what, what we've done uh, 